We're on to a huge milestone, episode 10. It's me, Justin, joined once again by my esteemed co-hosts, the gestures of jocularity, the champions of chirping, Babe, Cote, and Donnie. Our executive producer, Dizzy Patterson, is once again with us, enjoying some of the finest barley suds on tap at his condo bar. Gentlemen, how are you this evening? Good. Excellent, Justin. Getting a little sick and and tired of this fucking COVID thing, but anyhow... I see Donnie down there and he's freaking fully vaccinated and things are back to normal. So perfect guys. So we have another action packed episode for you uh, and we're going to take a peek at Dom day eight today, but before we introduce our next guest, we wanted to do as we always do and reach into our mailbag this week. We have a longtime listener, first time writer, Larry Smith, who sent us a note, which amongst the many praises he provided on our amazing staff, he also wanted you guys to answer a piece of Dom day trivia. He was interested on testing the panel to see if you guys knew the answer to this question. His question, which active father-daughter, father-son duo has the most combined Dom Day titles? To be, considered bo- uh, to be considered active, both the father and son needed to have played in Dom Day 42. Do you guys know which pair would currently be in the lead on that? I'll start with you, Kote, if you have a guess. I, it's got to be Marucks. I'd say it's got to be Schweppes and uh, either Taylor or the other pissed tank. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got Taylor. We'll say Taylor and Barry from Cote. Babe, do you want to? I'm going to say the Delmers. You've got uh, Dick. You know, you got Paul and Tom. That's you can only have gonna, one, Jack. You can only pick one. So are only you going to go with Tom or, yeah, Tom or Paul? Oh, I'm going to go with uh, Paul. Follow the instructions. Fuck. Oh. All right. Oh, and thanks. Donnie? I, I don't know. A bit of a trick question, I think. I, I'm going to go with Gorp um, and Cabbage. So. All righty, guys. So Donnie does have it correct. And this Jesus. is actually a bit of a shocker. For those of you guys who don't know, Gordon Spencer McRae have won a combined 14 championships or one less title Ooh. than Nick Wolf has won by himself. Gordy has 10 and Spencer McRae has four, which is even more interesting by the fact that for his first three Dom days, Spencer McRae didn't win a single Dom day game. And now he's tied for the most uh, titles amongst the youth. So yes, the answer is Gordy and Spencer. Alrighty guys. So what, after and that- to Spencer McRae's credit, Woodsy nailed it on the golf course a while ago. For those of you, our listeners that watched Yellowstone, he was um, he he was uh, he was the the dingbat cowboy Mikey for sure. That is Spencer McRae. So uh, congrats on his dual role as an actor and also as a Dom Day participant. Quickly, quickly becoming a Dom Day legend with his his four titles, and and he's also now, guys, another Jimmy, piece of Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. Jimmy. Another an, <laughs> another piece of interesting uh, news for for Spencer McRae. He's also currently the longest reigning Silver Brick winner uh, at over two years, as he was the winner at Dom Day forty two. So he had he had four kind of win- victories in a row, four championships, and then a Silver Brick. Um, so, guys, let's jump into it today. We're going to talk about Dom Day eight. And we do have a new guest uh, who is going to bring some excitement to the show. He's the winner of six Dom Day titles, including four as a skipper as his, of his Dom Day franchise. Rumor has it his two silver brick awards are a plan to be welded into the foundation of his newest cottage built. His one son, Bam Bam, put a dent in the portable, while the other two, Biscuit and Gibber, put a dent in his Remo's bar tab every year. It's Alice's husband, Ted. Welcome to the show, Rick Woods. Hey, Woody. Woody. hey. gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Woodsy, welcome to the show. Thank you um, very much, Justin. So we've we've talked about you a fair amount, um, and I know you haven't heard all the episodes yet because no. we uh, we record ahead of when we when we air everything. So I, I can assure you that everything that's been said is above board and absolutely uh, nothing but praise. Um, so before we kind of get into... Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but before we get into kind of Dom Day 8, which is the theme of tonight's episode, yeah, yeah. why don't you give us a little bit of history about your kind of road into Dom Day? You were a member of Dom Day 1? 
Yeah, I played Dom Day One. I was a, a proud member of the Galliagra's Girls Squad. We just had a terrible, terrible you guys final. Sucked. Yes. And and on one of our previous episodes where you were mentioned, it was brought up that you were drafted behind Lil. Um, and and for a lot of the young guys, that's got to be uh, you know surprising that a Lil was a first rounder and second that you were drafted behind him. Um, what did that do for your uh, ego at that time? Well, I don't know if I was drafted behind Lil or I was just standing behind him and they didn't see me. <laughs> but but yeah, so I was picked right after Lil, and it, it was a humbling experience. All righty. So today, like I said, we're going to talk about Dom Day Eight, which is a special year for for you and why we brought you on the show because the Rebels yeah. win their first championship. But that wasn't the first year you guys entered Dom Day. You guys entered Dom Day and Dom Day Six, and you had some success there where you lost to the Hotel Nineteen. Uh, tell us a bit about that year, if you remember offhand. Well, don't remember a heck of a lot. I just remember the final being a real good game, and Babe squeaked it out. Um, but no, it was good to get two of the, the Utes in a final back at that time. I think we were probably the first two, I babe, that were the, of the young guys in, in a final together. Right? Yeah, I think Possibly it was. Three or four years younger than all the, all the elders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, and good squad. I just remember the ball back then being really good. There was, there was guys that could run, catch. It was, uh, I mean, we've slowed a bit, but there was guys that were really wheeling back then, so that's for sure. That's hard. That's hard to imagine. And young Kote right? here, he, he was good. <laughs> that's hard to imagine, but we'll take your word yeah. on it. So obviously, we we kind of hinted at the beginning. Um, you have a, you have a bit of a, a famous nickname uh, that not everybody knows the origin of. Ted yeah. Woods, uh, your mm-hmm. wife got the nickname Alice. Why don't you tell us right. about the origins of that nickname? So the name Ted came came about probably about 15 years ago. It was after a weekend, we had um, Mike Feudon and his, his lovely bride at the time, Charlotte. She used to be the good oh, Charlotte and apparently her, isn't anymore. Do you? Yeah. So anyway, place. they were up at the cottage, had a great weekend. Anyhow. And just after that, Feuds um, and the, the bad Charlotte um, had a little evening to discuss their, their ongoing relationship. In what you know, how they could make it better, let's say that. And she came up in the middle of the conversation and basically said, Mike, why can't be why can't you be more like your friend Ted? And Futes is like, Ted? And he's racking his brain. He goes, I don't know what Ted. She goes, You know Ted, Ted Woods. So literally within seven seconds, he's still at the table. He phones me. She just called you Ted. And he's <laughs> dying on me. He's dying. And this is a you can just see this is their middle of their, you know, relationship building dinner, which apparently didn't go well. And then after that, he hung uh, Cindy with Alice from uh, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, one of the movies from back in the 70s. So that's how she got Alice. That's perfect, Woodsy. So, okay, so let's hop right into it. We're going to go oh, down. Sorry, Justin, just go while ahead, we're Donnie. on that. I, so what when you, when you mentioned nicknames, so... Back when when uh, Woodsy came into the tournament, and we also had Greg Woodford in the tournament. So, so you guys, right, babe? You guys always called Woodsy Woody, right? Yeah. And we always called Woodford Woody. So we we actually had two guys in the tournament, and then so I yeah. we started calling you Woodsy. Or, or, and then I, I don't know. I think, like, I think Babe always says Woody to this Woody. day, yeah. right? Yeah. Or yeah. Wood. Yeah. And uh, so he's got several different nicknames. I, I still <laughs> get that from the old TCI guys. Yeah. And then we started calling Woodford uh, Mad Guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Greg's a good guy. He's yeah. a, he just he was, got a little ornery in those. Early he's a fiery days. competitor. Yeah, fiery he was fiery, guy. Don. You're right. Couple, yeah. couple cocktails, and if he didn't agree with the play play of first base, he'd get <laughs> fucking rangy. Yeah, I so, love them. So maybe that's a good segue because you know the two the two Woodies were a member of the 1985 Dom Day Rebels championship team that we're going to talk about. Um, so Woodsy, I know this was a long time ago, but tell us a bit about that squad. Well, now looking at it actually on paper, I'm very shocked we actually won in 1985. And I think we beat the Slammers in the final. 
Am I, am I right there? You remember that, Justin? Or yeah, that's correct. That? Yeah, you beat the slammers. I think it was the slammers. Yeah, so we didn't need much. And we didn't have it. So, I mean, we had Cote, who was in his prime back then. Two bulbs. He could really go. You know, Gorp, the best cackler out there. You know, Woodford at first. We had Grecian down at third base. And, you know, jumping around doing whatever he does. And we've always had the best catcher in the league. Annan was a rebel for maybe ever. We always took him. Took him early, too. Because you had to have him. Early in the last round? No, no. Uh, no he no, was in early. his prime. He's really oh, anyway, I'd take him early, Justin. He would go through about really he'd go through a cigarette an inning for sure, minimum yeah. back then. Yeah. And then we and, had uh, in this the era legendary... <laughs> sorry. In this era, was he still tilting them? Oh, oh yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. When he stopped tilting them, I stopped drafting them. Yeah. This this may have been the, the same year that uh, we we had the luncheon at O'Toole's on Rexdale Boulevard. One one of the luncheons, you know, the pre- and then, uh, and everybody kind of got up and left. And, and the only two people that left there were Anna and me sitting in the back table. It was at the back of the Rexdale O'Hools. And we were just <laughs> jamming. <you know? laughs> Anna but, wouldn't have wanted to leave, Donnie. No, no. <laughs> so, anyhow, good guy. And after yeah. Anna, we had the legendary John Dixon on the club. And Tank Huntley, who is, you know, Mr. Gadget, played all positions all at once with an illegal glove that was brought up every year. But he could run back then and he could get, he was all over the place in the outfield, Baber. Yeah. What did Dicker play or did he just show up for the championship trophy presentation? He came for the engraving of the trophy. That was, yeah. 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 That was Dicker's. Did he play, Woodsy? I think he played. He played. Yeah. I'd have to see video on that. Because remember, he used to wear that old hockey jersey, like in the middle of Dom Day, and he'd have like this old white tattered freaking hockey jersey. Red from, Red Wings jersey. From yeah, Red Wings. From Neha House League or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have to find out that from Dicker. Yeah. But then we had uh, two really good guys that year were Nicky Wolf, who saw it all the time, and Barry Woodward, the late Barry Woodward, who was taken from us way too early. But he was an unbelievable athlete. For those guys that, and those people listening that never saw him in his prime, he came into the league and, you know, was a top six, seven guy right off the hop and could just fly around the bases. He played baseball as a kid and probably was one of our ball, better ball players for sure. But so, you got to you know, remember, though, eh, Woodsy, like he was a bit like Forrest Gump. Eh? He'd run down that first baseline like 100 miles an hour and he'd go by the bag and you'd have to freaking finally yell at him around Mrs. P's tree. Or Mr. P's tree that that to he turn. was safe to turn <laughs> and that the game was still on. And he was just like Forrest, eh? You know, he'd had a couple of those some yeah. concoction from his backyard, and uh, by the afternoon things were starting to go yeah. a little sideways with him. He he wasn't the same guy a few years later. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you know, it was a good club. Um, again, I you know, leading up to the final, I'm not even not even sure who we who we beat. It might have been Howie's team. We might have beat in the semi. I can't remember now, but no, it was a good club. It was good to get the first one in. Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed that I noticed the roster, like you said, uh, it doesn't jump off the page as far as you know skilled athletes because there are a lot of guys Fuck who off, have, have fallen to <laughs> to lower rounds. But one of the things I am noticing, and I'm I'm going to go to the guy who just told me to fuck off, um, and and say Paul Coates. By this time, Dom Day, you've you've had a good track record. You've won a few here. Uh, I think you've won, you know, with Delmer. You've won, uh, you know, with with Woodsy. Compare their coaching styles between Delmer and Woodsy. What would what would you tell tell the fans who weren't back there in the early days? Who whose coaching style did you prefer better? Pretty much about as far apart as North American Europe. Woodsy was pretty relaxed, and he encouraged the boys to get into the piss as much as possible compared to uh, tight ass Dick Delmer, who was always monitoring our beer intake. And I wasn't a big fan of that. And to this day, <laughs> no, really? Yeah, oh, that's a shocker. Yeah. 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 I thought you were. So there, were. there were slightly. In fact. It was always sometimes good to see our head coach was probably the most lit of any of us. So needless to say, Cote, you found by Dom Day, so, you started to find yourself on a Dom Day team where the coach kind of fit more to your style. Yeah, that's why I said I'd play for him. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. What were you going to say, Wood? I was going to say, just to, if you want to kind of figure out my style, Justin, 
I had Chevy a lot of times. And the one year he comes to me Saturday morning, he wants to get real serious about winning. He's got a cup of coffee in his hand or a Gatorade. I just slapped it out of his hand and said, get yourself a beer in you right now. You can't play. Yeah, trying to go sober on me that's hilarious that's hilarious but so, you know for for the listeners though it's true if you look at this lineup like and a lot of them are not gonna realize how good some of these guys were like all kidding aside like cote was, was pretty damn good right and woodward was was amazing yeah, right yeah. and so you look down down there and then you get a guy like uh dank who he could track yeah, before, down anything, Donnie. Remember? Yeah, and yeah, before he st- before he started having twenty five years of hip problems, where he refused <laughs> to see a fucking doctor, like he was a pretty pretty damn good player, right? And and uh, so, but uh, I'll I mean, one day we well, not us, but somebody will be talking about um, you know um, a biscuit, you know, and saying, <laughs> "Geez, remember when biscuit was a good player?" And they'll be like, <laughs> "Really." That guy is awful. Yeah. Depends <laughs> depends on how much he's drank though, Donnie. You gotta remember that. As somebody yeah, but, who's but, has coached but, him five times, you never know which biscuit you're getting. But these people that, that aren't even born yet are gonna be talking about biscuit or talking about uh you know Cash McCray and say Cash McCray was a good player. Like, oh my yeah, god. Dan Ellis. Dan right. Ellis Dan Ellis was fast. Right. <laughs> yeah. Bullshit. So it's, it's all about perspective, right? So <laughs> And if I could just jump in, because I think uh, Cote, when you had the two bulbs, you were one of the one of the top draft picks, and I think you were the first guy to ever have a triple play in Dom Day. I right remember there. you diving across, catching a ball somehow, at the same time catching it, tagging second base, and I think Mark <laughs> McLaren was at, on first, and he ran to second and basically ran to India, tagged him. Yeah. It was that was a beauty, yeah. yeah, something to behold. I knocked that day. Yeah, I think you got a piece of sand in it that day. Yep, things started going sideways from there. So one of the, one of the funny things I, I kind of noticed as we talk about guys who, you know, you would have never guessed, um, you know, were good back in back in Dom Day Eight. Um, but what I think kind of solidified this for me is the fact that you know when you look at the names, some of the names that jump out of as far as guys who are still kind of being picked high, you know, Nick Wolf and, and Gordy McRae are still relatively high picks. Um, to this day, but Gordy McRae that year won a Mup Cup, so he would have been one of the lower picked guys on this team. So I, it does kind of lend credence to the fact that you know there were a lot more athletes on this team than we would have thought. And uh, Colin, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I think uh, Gordy's you know Gorp's career was like a yo-yo. You know, he was great one year, horseshit the next. Great one year, horseshit the next. And I think he was doing that one to try and get a silver brick. So he could build more homes and two was so that he could get his name on the Mup cup every other year. But we caught on to it after about the third time. It was Fair a little enough. bit like the way he goes after his wallet starts to put his hand into his pocket and then back out again. Right. Put his hand back into his wallet, back out again, little yo-yo ish. Yeah. Never really committing. Well, well, it is funny that you guys mention it because I, we were looking it up and, and Gordy is actually the only player in Dom day history to win the mop, the brick, and the block, so he has been all over the place in his in his Dom Day career, um, and he's been yapping all all through it, all f- through 43, 42 years of it. So uh, I guess it's worked for for the guy. Yeah, we love him. Yeah. Alrighty. Um, so just kind of uh, in addition, before we talk about some of Woodsy's memories outside of of this Dom Day Eight uh, franchise, some of the other highlights from from Dom Day Eight were that both the Hotel Nineteen and the Saikum Sox. Uh, both lose their franchise. One went on to have a little bit more history in, in the future, uh, the hotel, and the other one has not been back since, the Saikum Sox. So, uh, Babe, do you remember this year? Yeah, I remember it well. Um, I'm not sure if that was a coin toss or not. Uh, it's hard to recall all the tragedies that fell upon the hotel. Um, as we talked about last week, Black Sunday, and we haven't even gotten into the coin toss yet. But, yeah, I do remember it. And, I, you know, and, and speaking of Saikum Sox, it's, you know, it was an honor to be out the same year they got roasted out too. And, and hopefully they'll make a comeback into this tournament because I think he has gathered so much information from the years that he has been in last place, sat on the sidelines and watched the game. Uh, and from these podcasts, I think he's going to be back into it. 
Well, and, and if he hasn't picked up anything from that, I could lecture him at the dinner table about what he should and shouldn't do. I might not know the answers either, but I can be arrogant enough that I'll tell him. As, so, our, as our listeners sit there with their eyes closed and just picture Barney running down to first base, you know, it's, that's with a, a, with a piano on his back. Right. <laughs> you know, you guys, it's funny you bring up his, his running skills, but I do remember, you know, very early in Dom Day, and I probably would have been 10 or 12 years old, mm-hmm. uh, but one of my first experiences with the Dom Day program was there was a crossword in the back. And, and one of the questions in the crossword was, the only man faster than Donovan Bailey. And the answer was my dad. Um, and, and you have to understand that as a 10 or 12 year old, that is pretty jarring, uh, knowing, knowing that that was the furthest from the truth and not understanding quite why that was the answer. But now at 33 years old, I can, I could tell you, I think I, I get, I get the gist of the joke now. He and Annan could have a good sprint. Yeah, well, I well, I think I think as we get further along into Dom Day history, we will actually get into at some point his his most famous uh, running. Race. Yeah, yeah, oh, we, most, oh, we will. Oh, yeah, because most, with, with him, it wasn't necessarily just about the speed; it was the style. Style. Yeah. Yeah, like it was incredible. Like to think that a human could run like that. Because he, he actually didn't carry bad speed once he got it going. He just yeah. didn't turn, and then he didn't turn that well. You know, I think, you know, if we had a, the big elastic behind the plate and we could have just, you know, every time we got a hit, just let him go with a big rubber band and got him going. I mean, he was, you know, he got it going pretty good. So that'd be uh, a big rubber band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All righty, guys. So that's kind of our high level synopsis on, on Dom Day 8. Um, we're going to switch gears, though. We've got a lot of fun stories lined up. Woodsy's been uh, a big part of a lot of uh, exciting road trips, so we're going to touch on a few of them. Um, but the first one we'll start with is, is you know, Woodsy obviously being a, a big name up in Muskoka back in back in the 80s as he is now. Um, Woodsy, tell us a bit about, you know, the boys' trips to, to Muskoka. Well, they were memorable and forgettable at the same time, to be honest with you. I mean... It, it was generally a shit show and the boys would be up there. You had Cote, Rocky, Trout, you, you name it, Coombs. At some point, everybody, I think, ran through the cottage at some point. But it'd be no rules when they got here. It was like they all busted out of prison and let's go hard. And then we got really smart for a few of our trips at Cote. We rented a bus to drive yeah, us. That everywhere. was intelligent, yeah. So we, now, what, we, we went full what, bus, drive us around. When was, uh, when would we, you have, when did your uncle pass away and you, and your parents actually take possession of the, of the main cottage? I think 02, 01 or 02, we, we started going to that cottage. So um, then we would go up there and for the listeners, so Woodsy's uncle passed away and he had no, he had no offspring. So he had the, the cottage got turned over to Woody's parents. And so it was just sitting there. So we'd go up every weekend and it was an absolute gong show. It was like, how much beer can you bring? Well, yeah. In fact, yeah. Uh, our producer had spent a few days there as well. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, I've, I've been up there with, with Dizzy and, and Kevin and Mike. It sounds very different. I don't know, Dizzy, what your thoughts are. But <laughs> now now we go up and what we just play thought. Monopoly and stuff like that. Right. Right. But we, we always, we always tried to fit it in with some sport, some, you know, we be golfing, we do fishing trips, and we start with a thick skin at Feudas and brought it to our place. But there was always some kind of competition, which is what we always did, right? It was you needed a winner, you needed a loser, you need somebody to rag. And so that just kept going on up there. So, yeah, it was, uh, you know, a lot of guys never made it up from the boat, from the dock. They just, they just stayed down there for the night. So, yeah, it was great. I mean, had a blast up there. I mean, when you go way, way back, and we're looking probably in the 1976, Babe learned to dive at that cottage. Yeah. I remember that? And your, yeah. And your mom actually saved my life. Because remember, did. we were swimming to the, we were going to swim to the point, and she called Woody over. And Woody, what'd she say? Oh, she, so basically, my mom called them. She'd been watching us. There's four of us or five of us drinking there all weekend. And she's fine with it. And we're 16. And she sees Colin splashing around the water a little bit, like, well, not like a duck in the water. Let's put it oh, that way. Oh. So we're going to go, sw- we got about a f- 400 yard swim over to the point. So we've been sitting there drinking the Colt 45s all day long. 
And everybody, yeah, we're going to swim to the point. And Colin's, yeah, yeah, here we go. He's just about to jump in. She goes, Colin, could you please, or Rick, can you please make Colin wear a life jacket if he's going to swim over there? And I remember telling that, I remember telling that to baby. He said, thank you very much, Mrs. Woods. <laughs> it was a good call. It was a good call. Oh, yeah. Well, back in the Same day, right? What you guys, you guys at one point, oh. you, Minnow, Annan, Gordy, Copeland, rode your bikes from Rexdale. Up well, did there and and, yeah. and did 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 minnow not arrive and then proceed to more or less just throw his bike away that that was uh that was annan so the first year was me sleepy annan and minnow so they weren't exactly like lance armstrong's getting on the bike so off we go up leaving rexdale in the middle of the night up highway 27 so we're going to stay the first night and bury at annan's place so sleepy and i i think we wheel into barry and we're waiting. So we're meeting at a restaurant. I'm talking three hours later, no Annan. All of a sudden a van pulls up or a pickup truck. Annan gets out of the pickup truck, gets his bike out of the back. He'd fallen asleep at the sod farm on Highway 27, just passed out. We get to the cottage the next couple of days, spend a few days cocktailing. Annan sells his bike and takes a, bike, takes a bus home. There's no way he's riding home. <laughs> Oh my so, God. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't sound like Anna. No, no, you can't, you can't blame us for being, uh, we weren't too smart back then. Let's put it that way. Oh, that's classic. Remember yeah. Annan's place at hockey stone. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was great. That, that was awesome. His dad still has his brother, dad or his brother has it, right? Woody. Yeah. His brother, his brother owns it now. The yeah. younger one. Yeah. yeah. Brad, Brad has it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So, but this was all just kind of the this is all kind of the lead up stuff to like Dom Bay One. I remember having to go to the cottage like when I was probably sixteen, and I was pissed off because I was going to miss some pickup ball games. You know, it was like those Tuesday, Thursdays, whatever nights we were going. It was like that was the highlight of the week. You know, you, you couldn't wait for those things. So when Dom Bay came around, guys were just all over it. Like, you know, more of this, perfect, right? So you know. Kudos to all you guys for getting it going, Donnie and Pete and Lil and Al and all those guys. Case, you know, it was, it was a make rant go day of the young guys. I remember just looking up to these guys too, right? <laughs> it was like, like Case was already out of high school when I started. So that's the big, how big the age difference was. Yeah. And, you know, oh, geez, that's Casey Patterson. You know what I mean? Like they're four, four, four years is a long period of time back then when you're in grade, you know, 10, 11 or whatever. So it was great knowing all these guys and kind of a crazy matchup how we actually put it together. Cause you know, how often did you hang out with guys four years older than you when you're 17? So it, it was great. You know, that, that's awesome. So we got one more story about the cottage before we go into some other road trips. Um, yep. And you were, you were telling us this, this over the weekend about uh, uncle Don's boat and the visit from Al McRae. Oh, right. So we, Cindy's, Cindy's family had a cottage down in Cashy Lake. And her uncle, um, big time old school hockey player, gruff, you know, Cindy had to kind of beg him to use the cottage. And we all went up there and I think, I know Ross ended up driving in from Montreal that night and Al was up there and Heather and there was a whole mishmash of, of people up there and we're down at the dock. And of course, Al's lit up like he usually is and he wipes off the dock just and falls on the boat and it's got one of those canvas tops on the boat and he actually crushes it. There's like nothing left of this top of the boat. And Cindy was losing it. And her cousins were there, this Don's kids. And the girl just ran and hid in the cottage. She goes, oh my God, my dad's going to kill everybody, right? And I was like, what, what? And, and scaring the shit out of Al. And then Al actually leans over to Minnow at one point. And he goes, Minnow, how big can this Don guy be? And I still remember Minnow's comment was, now, Don's so big, he could kick the Partridge family off their bus. <laughs> that was Minnow's comment, right? <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, we had to get it all fixed up, and I'm, I'm waiting on that check from Al. <laughs> yeah, you might be waiting a little bit longer there, Woodsy. <laughs> I hate to tell you about that. Oh, that's hilarious, guys. Any kind of last comments on the cottage before we hop into another trip? I just think there were so many great memories from that cottage and remember the your original cottage and you had that little shack where we used to sleep in it would hold like 
four beds or four cots. I can't remember. They were bunk beds. And those are some great times going to the key to Bala and, and, you know, whoever was playing you were listening to, and maybe the drive home wasn't uh, responsible, but uh, we still made it back. And that was, those are some great memories. It, it was funny. You talk about that shack in between his parents' cottage and your uncle's cottage and, and guys would have to go to the can in the night, come back. And it, it was like you were in the middle of the ocean. You had no idea where you were because it was so dark. That was uh, more guys ran into everything trying to get from that little, whatever the heck hut you wanted to call it back to the yeah. main cottage. That was a piece of work. That's hilarious guys. So we're going to hop now over to another trip. Um, another funny story. This was actually something that was, um, you know, percolating. We, we received a, an email from, from the, uh, the Coates about this Syracuse trip. Um, and about one of our, our hosts, uh, having a special interest in music. We'll call it that way. So Woodsy, why don't you tell us a bit about the Syracuse trip and Cote's, uh, let's call yeah. it Billy Joel impersonation. Sure. And, and this one is an all-time classic. I mean, this would have been, I want to say 81, 82, babe. Yeah. Uh, babe was playing for Clarkson and they were, they were playing at Clarkson. He was doing a Christmas uh, tournament at Syracuse, at the old odd in Syracuse. And so, you know, of course, we got to go down. So senior Cote and Wendy, Cindy and myself and Cote, we go down and we get seniors got the beautiful new Volvo. He's always got the great, nice cars, always clean, takes care of them. So we jump in the Volvo and off we go to Syracuse. And Tex was and this there. Was after, Tex was remember it was after it was after a party at Dickers. And I don't know if it was Boxing Day party, maybe. Yeah, I think you're right. We were at Dickers like the night before and we went. Drinking a lot. Maybe you were. That's surprising. Yeah. Anyway, so we get down there and we're watching. I don't know if you won a game score. I have no idea. We're there. Afterwards, we do our thing in whatever bars we get to. But so Mr. and Mrs. P got a really nice hotel room in the same hotel we're in. And it was a nice downtown hotel in Syracuse. As nice Area. as you could get. In was Syracuse. that the round one? Was that the round yeah, one? Yeah, it was. I think yeah. it was the round one. Yeah. yeah. And, and our team was there too. Clarkson was there. Yeah, right. And Tex was there. Tex was Texas there. was there. So oh, we go. Good. Oh, good. Yeah. So, of course, I don't know where we go. And we, end, we probably lose Cote for a while. He comes back. And so, you know, the girls, Cindy, Wendy, and myself and Senior, we go up into Mr. Mr. and Mrs. P's room and for a nice, lovely chat. And Tex is in there with his, you know, finger up, having a tea, of course. And we're just sitting there. And Cote, I don't know where the hell he is, but all of a sudden, boom, 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 knock on the door. And boom, boom, boom again. And I just remember Mrs. P going, Robbie, could you get the door? And all of a sudden, Tex gets up and ah, I'll get the door. Walks over, opens the door, slams it shut, walks back, never says a word. And I remember Mrs. P, Robbie, who is it? It's Cote. He's got a fucking piano. Door opens up. In comes Cote with his piano on wheels, and he's playing. Or he thinks he's playing a song, but... And he's just, I've never seen a guy laugh so hard in my life as Cote when he was playing his piano. But he stole it from the lobby, somehow got it on the elevator, up the elevator, into Mr. and Mrs. P's room. And was you should big. see- It was a big sucker. Oh, tax, but the, the look on Mr. P, I, he didn't, I thought he was gonna bust out laughing. He was dying. Mr. P was losing it at this point, right? So this goes on and we kick him out. Cote leaves. We're not feeling too good. The door opens. The piano is still on the elevator as we go to check out the next day. And we're just dying laughing. You yeah, I think we, we, had, we had to, it was Babe, Woody, and I pulled the piano back out of the room, put it on the, on the elevator. Remember, Babe? And then we said, well, we'll just get it. And I, I remember, so a couple of things about that story. Like you said, my brother had that brand new Volvo and it had the typical Scandinavian. I uh, had a spot where the skis could go through. And so on the way down there, remember we were in the back seat, Woodsy, and we loaded up the trunk with beer and we, we drank the whole way to Syracuse. And it was absolutely silly. Then we went to that game. Babe's team lost to University of Toronto of all teams in like the semifinal 
I remember Tex got into it because Mrs. P was not happy with him because he was into the booze <laughs> hard because I was encouraging him because they had a like a beer hall at the old War Memorial oh, yeah. and I'm like Tex, let's go there. We don't need to. Watch oh this my shit. god! <laughs> yeah. And then then we got back to that like that was a classy Marriott. I remember it. I don't oh, know yeah. what inspired me. I was like, no, I think Tex said we need some tunes. Tex said we need some tunes. I yeah. said I'll get some tunes. Yeah, I just I, I never yeah. forget looking over at the front desk and I'm like, ah, fuck it. You just dragged that thing and it was heavy. <laughs> the hard part was pulling along the carpet in the hallway upstairs, whatever room that the Pattersons were in. Yeah, you were sweating pretty good coming in. I must oh. admit, a radio yeah, wouldn't have done the job, would no, it? Oh no, no, nope, nope, nope. We need that. real music. That is one of my all-time favorites. I I can't wait for every Dom day when that somehow that story comes up. (laughs) So, Woods, you're right. That was when we went down for breakfast in the morning and got on that elevator and the piano was going up and down. That was unbelievable. We pissed ourselves laughing. I remember getting on the team bus to go and guys are going, did you see the piano on the elevator? Like you couldn't, I mean, you could barely get on the thing. Uh, yeah, and uh, I think it was Buff goes, was that Cote? Yeah, it was Cote. Of course it was. <laughs> so what you guys are telling me is when we finally get to play Dom Day again, we need to find a hotel with a piano for, for Cote to have another stab at this, right? No, we need to find one without pianos. Oh, then, fair enough. Fair well, enough. Donnie, it, it's funny because she take up the harmonica. Sh- Donnie, it's similar to Syracuse. That time we were going to Lake Placid and it was like in that same area. Right. And you guys got into the booze pretty good. I was down there for a trade show, remember? And you guys ordered the next night in Lake Placid, ordered a pizza and and you ordered a pizza and the pizza never came. And you phoned the pizza place and you're like, where the fuck is our pizza? And the guy's like, we came to room 227 and nobody answered. And Donnie's like, 227? He's like, oh, fuck. That was the room we had in Syracuse the night before. <laughs> so hence, they didn't get pizza. But that was one. That was another thing that happened in Syracuse. So it's a good place. Yeah. yeah. So. And, and just a, a quick, quick follow-up on the way home from, uh, mm. from Syracuse. So again, we get in the car and Cote's in, you got a picture it. It's senior in the front seat, great driver, always, like I said, takes good care of his cars. I'm in the passenger seat. And I think Cindy's on one side, Wendy's on one side, and Cote's right in the middle of the back seat. And he's got that easy open lid to get into the cocktails into the trunk. So he's already going Sunday on the way home. And we're, the rest of us are hung and Cote's back into it. So we come to the border and senior, like we're within a half hour, keeps going. We get to the border, Cote, keep your mouth shut. I don't want to hear a fucking word out of you. Keep your mouth shut. That's it. Don't say a word. Put the beers away. You know, so we wheel up to the booth and Cote's sitting there quiet as a fucking mouse back there. The guy, senior puts the window down. The guy in the booth sitting there, all of a sudden Cote launches himself out the front window beside <laughs> senior and just looks at the guy and goes, citizenship, how long you been in that booth? To the guy at the border, the U.S. And the guy just <laughs> fucking looks at us and goes, get the fuck out of here. So it worked. <laughs> I had never, heard, senior I never heard that one. Oh, yeah. How long you've been, been in that booth? Well, I thought I was going to kill him too. I, I believe. Yeah. I believe that's one of those stories. Oh, don't God, try this one at home. Yeah. Don't try this one at home. Hopefully my kids aren't listening to this. Don't try it at home. Or my granddaughter. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say, Cote. Once, uh, once Danny comes home from from the U.S., maybe that's how he'll uh, cross the border. A bit of a bit of different times, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that would go over that well now. Yeah. All righty, guys. So that's that's the Syracuse trip. The next trip Ooh. I'm going to start off with uh, with you, babe. Um, is the trip to the odd? Uh, there was a bit of snow. Um, why don't you kick us off on that one? You know, as we talked about before, when, when I was playing for the Flames, it was way easier for the guys to come down to Buffalo. And one was you could get tickets. Tickets were cheaper. And Buffett always organized the tickets. And the guys would go to Frank's Tavern. And it was always an event. And if it wasn't one thing, it was another. And this particular time, 
the guys had really matured and they rented two vans to come down. And so they brought these two vans down and it was a, all of a sudden they got to Frank's Tavern. They used to get there like, I don't know, eight in the morning, nine in the morning, and they'd be drinking all day. Game wouldn't be till seven 30. You can only imagine what it was like. And the snow, you know, in Buffalo, as you well know, can, there can be some major snowstorms. And in this particular time, the guys were coming down. I didn't know if they'd make it or not. Uh, it was snowing. It was snowing really hard. It, you know, it probably took us and we were staying maybe 10 minutes away from the rink, but we always used to take a bus to the rink. I bet you it took us like, you know, 40 minutes to get there because there was so much snow. So I wasn't expecting the guys to show up at all, but uh, they did. And, and this story is one of my all-time favorites of guys coming to the games because it was just brilliant after you hear of what actually happened. So, so Woodsy, why don't you tell us what actually happened? And Yeah. So the two buses, you're right. And the one guy, the guy, Cote knows him, this guy Coleman, used to work with Stacy Copeland at the hotel. And he was our driver. He was a, he was a great guy. A lot of well, fun. So he's driving us. And we get into, I guess... Like big vans kind of thing, right? Would what's you fit ten, ten, ten in them, twelve? Ten, ten seater vans, ten seater vans. Yeah, yeah, like pretty big vans. So we get into Buffalo, and we of course we get to Frank's Tavern. We're there for the day, and it's you know it's lights out. We come out. We're expecting a nice easy drive over the odd. Well, the the transmission goes on the one van, and it can only go in reverse, right? And what's what's Frank's Tavern to the odd? You must have to go through sixteen stoplights. Like three miles around three miles, blocks right? and yeah yeah but was so it that, was it that far we decided yeah. well yeah. To, oh when you yeah i would say and then so we decide well we're still taking the van over and coleman goes well i'll drive it in reverse, in reverse there so the guys seem good idea right that's not a bad idea it's a major snowstorm you can hardly move and this guy is driving this huge van there's no chance he can see out of in reverse and we're the best part is we get to stoplights and we got our signal on and we're in the turn lane and we're going backwards and we just keep driving that way. And I remember at one point we kind of got stuck right Cote and you and I yeah. jump out of the van. You got in the car behind we, us. We hitch a ride by somebody. Yeah. yeah. We just jumped. We just opened the doors and got in the car behind us and they drove us to the odd. Yeah. And, but yeah, it was unreal that we could actually do that without like dying that night. And then when and we got to we the rink, we obviously would have known we were there. Yeah, I, I can't remember, Woodsy, who would have driven the other van? Because where there were 20 guys and we had two 10 seaters, yeah. right? And so because the one van worked, because then the story went further was we then had to rent two vehicles to get home, right? So we had to, to rent two home. cars yeah. to get back. And that's when the incident with Annan happened on the QEW on the way home. When he, we had stopped to, yeah. um, to relieve ourselves, probably around Chippewa. And I body checked Annan and he flew out of his shoes down the embankment. And it took <laughs> us 10 minutes in the deep snow to find his shoes before we could keep going. So it was, he called me a bad word. I can't even, I can't even think. It's so I, I think I was in the car behind you that you guys jumped into. And I want to say it was Lester's car. Lester drove. And, 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 uh, I think you jumped in with us because I remember, I mean, I can picture the, the thing going backwards no, and, we didn't. and then Les took me home. Cause I was, I was, I was living in, in Toronto at the time. And, and I, that was the biggest mistake. Of my, one of the biggest mistakes of my life, getting in a car with Lester from freaking the border to Toronto. And he's going, I don't know what speed he's going, but it's ridiculous. Right. And it's, and it's early in the morning and whatever. And then he pulls off somewhere on somewhere and he says, we're staying here. And I'm like, where? And it was his cousin or his, his uncle or I, I his brother in St. Catharines. Was it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, but he brother in Grimsby. Yeah. yeah. We got, yeah. we got from Buffalo to there in about 12 minutes. Like it was just unbelievable. <laughs> oh but it was yeah yeah, that that whole night just the fact that we got there but we everybody was in that van we were laughing so hard because we were in regular traffic going 
regular speed in the snow backwards. It was unbelievable. It was, we were pissing yeah. ourselves laughing. But was that the time, Cote, as well, where Sleepy, Sleepy and Chevy had a full out wrestling match in the van as it was driving? I like think they were so. just scrapping the whole time. I, yeah. I, I think I heard it was maybe Cote and Sleepy. It could have been. Yeah. <laughs> could be. Maybe. Yes. Okay. Okay, guys, I, I have to ask a question and, and similar to the question of why a piano in a, in a hotel room in, in Syracuse. So maybe the answer is no real reason, but Donnie, why drive backwards? It made sense. Didn't it? I mean, yeah. we had to get to the game. You couldn't yeah. walk. We couldn't no. walk. We were incapable of walking. So you too know, much we, snow to walk. Yeah. So I had, I, I got to think it was Cote's idea. I don't, I don't really know. Oh, sh- shocker. Shocker. And I don't want to yeah. blame anybody, but somebody, some dickhead probably said, well, let's just drive <laughs> backwards there. Yeah, so but we'll give Coleman the credit for the driving. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. That was some supreme driving. Babe, thoughts? Well, I think you just got to, you know, connect the dots. You go um, on the roof with a hose, a uh, hotel room with a piano maybe we should drive backwards. I think it, it just leads back to one spot, but that's just me. Um, and maybe yeah. it is Paul Coates. Maybe it is. Yeah. Him. Yeah. I, f- I feel like we might need to talk to Dizzy about this being called Cote tales. There's a lot of Cote tales that are, uh, that are coming up uh, through the, through the history of Dom day. So pretty funny. Any other thoughts guys on that, on that snowy night in Buffalo before we go into the next actually Cote tale. I, I also re- kind of recall that was the same night when we're in there and Min's with us and, and Min had maybe had one shoot or too many and bef- after he uh, got finished screaming at every fan in the in the in the odd and buying them beers because they were going to kill him he left the game after the second period buzzer because he thought the game was over <laughs> so you can't get back in and he has no idea where we're, where Frank's Tavern is or anything. He just left. He was wheeling out. And you got to figure, do you go running out the door and the only guy going running out? But he did. And yeah, he, I, like, I, he was locked sure out. Was... We found him somewhere later on that night. I don't know where. I wasn't Cote sure what, if it was that night, if it was that night or, or if it was the night of the when I jumped on the ice night, like I, we, we couldn't remember which one it was, but uh, yeah, Minnow, we remember him leaving the odd and he was like, yeah, you can't get back in. You're screwed. He's gone. Once again, Cote, not your fault. Nope. No, not no. do with it. Yeah. This one, you're scotch-free. <laughs> All righty guys. So on to the next story. Um, and this I believe is a more recent story uh, about a, a road trip to go see uh, Danny Coates play lacrosse. And, and, and Mike and Mike and Mike and Mike, yeah. two Supreme athletes, um, <laughs> followed by, uh, it sounds like some of Cote's finest swimming skills. Uh, Wizzy, why don't you yeah. kick it off? I could do that. So we were driving down to see Danny Coates and my son, Mike play lacrosse and they were playing in Hart near Hartford somewhere, some Indian casino down there, Mohegan's son. So Cote and I go down, we're, you know, we're always up for a road trip. We wheel down. We, we get this hotel room and it's it's New, easy to see this hotel. It was in New London, remember? It, it was because there was a submarine base there too, remember? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We tried yes. to get the keys to the sub. Yeah. You did. So anyway, we go down there and it is, it's that $17 motel. It's the only one we could find and it's shit weather. I mean, it's sleet, rain, snow. And we go out when we get there that it's the night before the game, I think. And we're in a bar in New London, Connecticut, which if you've never been there, don't. It's an awful place. So we come out and we get a cab back to our hotel. Our smartest thing we ever did was cab. We come back and there's, it's rain and cats and dogs. So we get out of the cab and it's slippery. And I look over and Cote just goes feet up in the air, like a full right on his ass back into a puddle. The puddle's so deep it covers his face even with water. That's how he goes under. And it's probably five, 10 below zero at this point and sleeting. And I, I literally probably didn't stop laughing for two days because he was completely under the water. And you know what? That was poetic justice for what he's done to a bunch of us. 
that's uh, that was, that was, that was a little cool. bit. Oh, it was cold. That was absolutely ridiculous. But and we had gone to that bar and where the, it, it is, it's the submarine base in the eastern United States. And so all these guys. And so we run into this guy at the bar who is a submarine pilot. And and he was a good dude. And I'm like, any chance you can get us the keys to a sub like Woodsy and I want to take one out in this bay for Woodsy and I. Woodsy and I. Yeah. 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 And and we all night and then yeah, so we went back. I fell out of that cab. It was just like it's just a natural step. Like I came into the room like I'd fucking been in the shower for two hours with my clothes on. And then and then the next morning we had to go back to the bar to get my credit card. Remember Woodsy? Cause I, I, I neglected to sign my tab and we had to find somebody and, and wait around till the bar opened. And yeah. then we were able to escape new London and return yeah. to Canada. Just, a, just a sampling of our many road trips that all of you guys have been on. Yep. That's yeah. hilarious. So guys, yeah. we have, we have one last story uh, and I know it wasn't in the production notes, um, but I am going to pass it over to Mike Donnelly um, to cue this story up on one more road trip uh, that he has some, some good details to share. So yeah, it, it's amazing how you forget some of these things that I'm sitting here hooting over these ones. I'm thinking, well, shit Woodsy, and you'll have to help me, help me piece this one together, but back around and I think it's got to be mid eighties, late eighties. We Woodsy and Al and I decided to do a road trip to Buffalo to go to champion. Remember the champion store yeah. in, uh, you know, in Buffalo there. And that was a great place where you can go and you can literally, they had bins and bins of stuff that was a dollar, $2, $3, whatever it was. So we went there to get Dom day uniforms. Remember Woodsy? Yeah. yeah, that was Donnie. That was my first year. It was 83. Was it? it was okay. Me, you and, me, you and Al. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we head down, uh, I don't know, late morning, probably maybe lunchtime, whatever. We get there and we go to Champion. We buy a boatload of stuff. Did you buy your jerseys there? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 And, we, you know, we also picked up some T-shirts and whatever. And that place was unbelievable. We used to go yeah. there all the time. And, uh, and then, okay, you know, we're done. And so... Why, you know, why head back to Toronto? So what do we look for? It's a place to have a beverage, right? And so and we also remember Boff met us there too. Yeah. In the afternoon. Well, we, right. So, so help me piece this together. I want to say, was that the story where we went to, we went to Frank's Tavern and we, and we, we, we and nobody was there and, and it was in the middle of the afternoon. There was literally, we were, it was three of us at the bar and I said to the bartender, Hey, how you doing? Is, you know, is, is buff around, you know? And, and the guy's like buff. And I said, yeah, you know, is buff. he says, I'll call, I'll call him. I'll get him on. So he gets on the phone, no cell phones, right? Gets on the phone, makes this call. Hey buff. It's, you know, whoever the bartender's name was, he said, your buddies are down here. Come on down to the bar. Hangs up. Tells it. He'll be right here. Right. <laughs> and so we're sitting there, we're having a couple of beverages and whatever. And this old guy walks in right up. He's <laughs> And the, bar the bartender goes, hey, Buff, this is Donnie Woodsy. <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable. Everybody's yeah. named Buff there. Yeah. A yeah. yeah. little burrito, oh. right? Oh. Well, anyhow, we started there. And then I remember we started back towards Toronto. And we stopped at another Irish bar. And I forget where it was, Woodsy. But, we, you know, we, we got into it there. We were a little thirsty. And, and... uh we got did you drive or was it me i think it might have been me no i think i had a like an orange rabbit or something back yeah. then i think the three of us were piled into that yeah and, and uh, but but uh Woodsy and i were were <laughs> kind of within reason al was just getting progressively you know more inebriated right and so we're on our way back to the border <laughs> <laughs> and we're hungry, right? So Woodsy, take it from here. You can tell it. You know, we yeah, went so to the Burger King. Yeah. We, we we pull into the Burger King, and I think Donnie and I go inside and get the big order, and Alice tells us what he wants. And then we come out, and we, we look up at the Burger King sign. Well, Alice climbed about 45 feet up the Burger King sign, and he's hanging off the side of it, and he's just yelling. <laughs> Nothing. We can't understand what he's saying. And we're, I look at Donnie, so like, what are we going to do now? I don't know, even know how we got him down, but I can't believe we didn't go to jail because people didn't call the cops on us. I know. Or did they? I, I can't remember. I think they did. 
Yeah, I think they did. And we why did those, he go up there? I I don't know. I mean, no. it was an owl moment. I was going to say, and, coming from you, Cote, that's a rich question. But, but I, I think, <laughs> well, well, I think there was a couple of uh, police cars that came by. Yeah, and get we, him we, down. Yeah. yeah. And we just yeah. threw them in the back and, and like the border was literally a couple hundred yards away. Yeah. Okay, at right that there. point, thank God. There was no other bars in between. <laughs> and, uh, but that was just another one that I just thought of. That was a hoot. Yeah. yeah. That might have been, I'm sure I was into the brown stuff that night. That usually got to him. Yeah. And he drank the rye. Yeah. Him and Kinger. Yeah. Uh, Jeez. Awesome, guys. So I think we're going to leave it there. Uh, I'm going to go around the horn for some last last words some final thoughts woodsy i'll start with you on some some final thoughts on your visit on the podcast and just dom day in general well just you know first of all it was great being on guys it was a lot of fun uh, can't believe how fast the time goes by but final thoughts on dom day as well it's like i think everybody's on the same vein every time about how much it means family and you know friendship and and to me it goes it, it goes right down to i look at all my best friends and my kids are best friends with my friends' kids. That would have never, ever happened without Dom Day. Like, you know, Kevin and Justin Size and Derek Patterson and Mike and Danny Coates and Danny Monroe. And you can go on and on and on. And literally, maybe they never would have met all these great guys without, uh, you know, Dom Day. And the other point above that even is what great mentors, all of my friends have become to my kids. I know that. Like, you know, they helped them out through, you know, jobs, places to live, all whatever it is. And I know that, you know, my kids and all the kids can go to any one of the guys in Dom Day for help or advice. And, you know, no questions asked. Everybody helps everybody. And super unique. Like, you know, all of us have talked to people all over the world. And you explain this Dom Day thing to them. And they all go, oh, my God, I've never seen anything like that. How do I get in? So, you know, it's been great and we missed the shit out of it. Can't wait to see all you guys and girls again. And that's the other thing, all the gals involved too. Everybody's great. So yeah, I'm dying to get back at it, boys. Awesome. Donnie, I'll pass it over to you for some final thoughts. Yeah. I mean, the, the same thing. I mean, I, I think Woodsy actually knew my brother before he knew me, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we, we kind of met, you know, through babe and through the Dom day thing and everything. And, you know, but uh, you know, and, and, and best of friends ever since really. And it's just grown over the years. And then, and then same thing with his kids. And, you know, I remember, I remember one time in the early days at Remo's when I, when I used to, it was kind of stupid. I used to get up on the bar and, and do my thing. And then, you know, I remember getting down from the bar and Woodsy, Woodsy said, he says, Donnie, and I don't know which kid it was, but, you know, he's, Uncle Mike's had a little bit too much to drink tonight. And this is when they were 10, right? <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But, but it was like, you know, it's, it's you know, we've talked, it's, it's one big family and you and great point, Woodsy, you know, they, they, that anybody in this thing would do anything for anybody else. So I, I'm right with you there. So. Okay, over to you. Well, certainly I, I met Woodsy uh, probably grade 10 or 11 in high school, and we've become very, very good friends and done a lot of fun things together. Some of them not the most mature, but, um, and I say we there, babe, on purpose. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think one thing Woodsy would agree with is we've done lots of things with cars that like between fixing them, wrecking them, um, doing dumb stuff that way. But, uh, you know, we never maliciously, but certainly between tearing, tearing oil pans out of vehicles, I think uh, Babe would agree. Woodsy was the cheapest for putting always $2 in his gas tank. Woodsy oh, yeah. ran out of gas more times than anybody in all of Dom Day. And Steve Monroe and Gordy Copeland and Annan could all attest to that statement because he, <laughs> uh, he was a little frugal and would rather purchase alcohol then put gas in his vehicle. So one of the great things, but Woodsy and I, great friends, certainly our boys, our, our families have, have, uh, are, are great friends. And, uh, you know, that's grown that much stronger because of Dom day. So I'm glad he was able to come on today. Babe, final thoughts. Well, yeah, I mean, um, you know, you think of all those trips and Woody and I have known each other since grade nine and we became, you know, good friends right away. And, 
you know, one of those guys you meet and you, you connect right away. And we've done so much together. And, and really, we've, you know, I think Woody and I have been really the two guys who have watched Paul Coates mature over the years, you know, from all the stupid stuff he did then to all the stupid stuff he does now. He's really matured. But we've had such a great friendship and all the trips to the cottage and, you know, and all the events. And even, you know, to think about the trip we made to Italy, you know, uh, probably I think it was probably four or five years ago, might even be longer. Uh, and how great that was and all the great stories that come out of there. But it's like everything you do with everybody from Dom Day. And there's, you know, different people jump in and out of it. But uh, it's so much fun. And as you said, Woody, it's family and it's, you know, it's great things that, that we can do for each other and, and our kids and our kids being friends. I think that is one of the neatest things going, you know, I look at, you know, Cote and we've mentioned this before, you know, our moms were friends in nursing school and sure enough, you know, Cote and I become friends and then, you know, Danny and Derek are friends and it just goes on and on and on. And that's the neat thing about Dom day. Well, guys, yeah. Similar, similar final thoughts for me. Um, I was actually over at the woods cottage, uh, under, uh, a COVID safe five person limit gathering on the weekend where I had to DD my, uh, my two parents home. Uh, one was served and one was definitely overserved. I'll let you guys guess which one was which, <laughs> um, but always a lot of fun up, up at the woods cottage, always a lot of fun, fun with the, uh, with the boys. Um, like you guys said, you know, I, I like what said, it's amazing how, close the young guys guys have gotten i'm i'm so close with the woods boys that i know the greatest family secret is that mike woods is actually the eldest son um so had a lot of have a lot of fun a lot of great memories and and looking forward to when we're able to get some some more in in the book guys so thanks to rick for coming on thanks to you guys for listening that's another good episode of dom day tales don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. And as always, if you have any thoughts uh, or questions for the panel, be sure to send us an email at info.domday at gmail.com. Again, that's info.domday at gmail.com. Thanks. Thanks.